0: Hello and welcome to the Independent Pharmacy Alliance podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Resnick. This episode is brought to you in part by Independent Pharmacy Alliance, IPA's trade association and buying group representing 3700 plus independent pharmacies, leveraging buying power to help pharmacies access pharmaceuticals at the best prices. IPA now offers comprehensive third party help desk, legislative advocacy and continuing education free of charge to members. Learn more today at ipagroup.org. And we're going to do something different for this episode of the podcast. We're going to do a mailbag episode. We've gotten a lot of people who've uh, sent in questions. They... Want to get answers to some of their questions. And we decided, you know, let's respond to the listeners. Let's take a look at our mailbag and see what we got. And as part of this episode, I want to introduce the producer of the podcast, Zach Stone. Zach produces the IP podcast.
1: Hi, Zach. Hey, Anthony. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Excited about this. I, to be honest, was surprised mm-hmm. we got any mail for an independent pharmacy podcast, but here we are. We got about 10 questions here. Zach, I am shocked as well that we have received (laughs) any mail
0: on a podcast where we talk mostly about pharmacy benefit managers. But yeah, we actually did get some mail. We got some questions and we thought this would make it a really
1: good episode just to answer some of the questions from the listeners. Well, speaking of which, the biggest question we got and probably the thing we talk about the most is... PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers. And there was big news that the FTC announced that they are going to be investigating how they are affecting pharmaceutical prices. So for anyone who's missed some of the episodes, what does that mean? And where are we in the actual process? Sure. So FTC stands for Federal Trade
0: Commission. This is a huge, huge thing. For years, there have been all sorts of advocates who've been asking the Federal Trade Commission to investigate pharmacy benefit managers when it comes to drug pricing. And unfortunately, it's never happened. The reason why is it's really from the top, the leadership at the FTC. They never wanted to do it. And the last podcast episode that we did, we actually found out why. They didn't want to do an investigation. That's because they really never looked at pharmacy benefit managers as an issue or in terms of an industry that need to be regulated. They always looked at them as the consumers. And I think now with these increased prices and in prescription drugs, they're saying, look, you know, we got to take a deeper look into this industry, find out what's going on under the hood and see what they're doing to raise prescription drug prices on
1: consumers. Where are we in the investigation, though? Like, I keep seeing these headlines, investigation happening, we're in the middle of the investigation. Where are we? So
0: the FTC board just voted five to nothing to do the actual investigation to pharmacy benefit managers. That just happened a few weeks ago. And... Now they're in the process of getting the investigation started. So nothing happened yet. So they're going to start an investigation. They're going to get comments from the public, from various advocates, from various associations on how PBMs, who are the center of the drug supply chain, influence drug pricing. How long is that going to take? Could take six months to a year. None of this stuff ever happens quickly. The wheels of government are really slow. Sure. And it, it took almost a decade or more just to get this investigation off the ground. It's probably going to take about six months to a year before the FTC comes out with its findings and takes some potential action. Can I ask, are you optimistic? I'm very optimistic. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know a lot of people feel, oh, you know, they're going to take their sweet time. They're going to do this investigation. Nothing's ever going to come of it, just like a lot of things don't come of government investigations. I really think this is going to be different because the new commissioner at the FTC, Commissioner Khan, she really understands the problem of PBMs and drug pricing and the way PBMs are inflating drugs on consumers when they're picking up their drugs at the pharmacy. So I think she's really serious about it. I've seen a lot of these investigations come and go. Sometimes they're just done because either legislators or these various heads of these departments, they just want to put on a show. But I think this is real. And I think they've heard from thousands and thousands of consumers, from advocates talking about... The issues that PBMs inflict on them in terms of drug pricing, how PBMs play doctor and they overrule a doctor's orders in terms of which prescription drugs they're supposed to take. So I think they're really serious about it. I think after about six months to a year, I think we're going to get some interesting findings on PBMs.
1: And I think they're going to take some real action. Now, This is a question we got, and it was further down the list, but it may be worth talking about right now. And we've covered this before, but it may be worth repeating. What can the average listener, the average independent pharmacy owner do? Like, what should they be doing right now to help in this process?
0: What they should do is they should go to the FTC's website, and they should send their comments. If a consumer or pharmacist or pharmacy owner Ever had any type of negative interactions with a PBM where they were not able to dispense a prescription drug that the doctor wrote out for the patient, where they were audited for frivolous reasons, where there was any kind of abuse that may have occurred between a PBM to a pharmacy or to a patient, notify. The Federal Trade Commission. we're going to have links on our website and links when we release this podcast,
1: we're going to have links where you can go and make your voice heard. Now, one of the other questions we were getting a lot of is if this actually will do anything, because a lot of the laws right now, they're not enforced when they are passed. So they want to know why aren't the laws enforced? So A lot of times people think, well,
0: when the president or governor signs a law or signs a bill into a law, that it automatically gets enforced. That's not the way it usually works. Most laws have to go through what's called a regulatory process. And that's the process where there's sections of government called departments. And departments are the ones that enforce particular laws. And so- A law will go to a department and they'll have six months to a year where they're going to deliberate on how to regulate or enforce a law. And that's why it takes so long. It takes about a good six months to a year for the government to decide, one, how are we going to enforce the law? Two, how are we going to do it in a way that it's going to work but not hurt people in the process, how it's not going to have unintended consequences? And that could take a long time. So the first process is you pass the law. The second part of that process is the department that's going to regulate it. They have to go through the six months to year regulatory process where they actually figure out how they're going to enforce it. And I know they say, Anthony, that takes a really long time, but unfortunately, that's the way our system of government works. And it's designed that way so that when Actions are taken by the government that they don't rush into anything
1: and inadvertently hurt people. So we got another question about the FTC, specifically about a statement that they released, and he wasn't sure about the accuracy of this, but they asked, did the FTC just put out a statement that PBMs are bribing drug manufacturers? Well, they
0: didn't actually make the accusation that PBMs are bribing drug manufacturers, but they alluded to it. They said that the rebates that the manufacturers are paying PBMs could be considered a bribe if the PBM is doing it to place a higher cost drug on their list of drugs that they sell patients. So sometimes what a PBM does is in order to make money, they will only sell drugs to the patient if those drugs are higher priced. That way they get a bigger discount. And so the FTC stated that that could be considered a bribe. So wait, so what does that mean? So it's, it's kind of convoluted, but I'm trying to figure out a way to say it where it's not so convoluted. So PBMs demand discounts from drug manufacturers in order to place a manufacturer's drug on their formula, the list of drugs that they sell. So the accusation that the FTC is making is that in certain circumstances, the PBM will place a higher cost drug on their formula because they're getting a bigger discount. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. So what of it? So the patient is paying more. Does that mean the pharmacy is paying more? The owners, the business owners? No, not the pharmacy, but the patient. The patient is paying more money at the pharmacy counter. And this is just shoved down their throats. It is. It's just shoved down their throats. There's nothing they can do about it. And that's why the FTC is investigating it. Got it, got it, got it. So the FTC is investigating it. But they're also saying, they put out a statement saying, even before the investigation is done, that they're currently now already looking for if this is happening, if there are bribes currently occurring. So this is even going beyond the investigation. They put out a secondary statement saying that they're actually looking right now to see if there is any bribery occurring by PBMs at this point, that they're demanding that the manufacturers pay them higher rebates for higher cost drugs. That's why they're not putting low cost drugs on the formula. Got it.
1: Okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, let's move away from the FTC for a little bit. One of the other questions we got were the new CMS DIR fees. Right. What do those CMSDIR fees rule do? Like how will it help the pharmacy owner?
0: Well, it's going to be a huge help to the pharmacy owner. So all congratulations to the National Community Pharmacy Association. They've been fighting for this for at least the last decade to decade and a half. Basically, what this will do is that the new regulation going into effect in 2024 will mean that any pharmacy fees that the PBM is extracting from the pharmacy after the pharmacy is reimbursed, can't happen retroactively. It has to happen at the point of sale. So the PBM can still take a fee from you in the Medicare Part D program, commonly referred to as DERV fees, but they can't do it on the back end. They have to do it at the point of sale while the transaction is happening. So what this is going to do for the pharmacy owner is that if they know exactly what their fees are, at the point of sale, they're going to know exactly what they're getting paid. What's been happening for years is that these fees are extracted retroactively or after the pharmacy was paid. So just imagine this, Zach, you got paid, you got your paycheck, but then a few weeks or a few months later, your boss comes back to you and says, you know what? I overpaid you and I'm going to take this money back. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. So the pharmacy will know exactly what their reimbursement is going to be or what they're going to get paid at the point of sale when they're dispensing the drug to the patient. So that way, there won't be any guesswork involved. And that's it. the problem with pharmacy. ton of guesswork involved all the time to determine what your true payment actually is. So this should stop some of that. It'll stop some of it. Not yeah. all. Not all. of it. Not all it. of it. But it'll stop some of it. It will definitely help because it'll give the pharmacy some certainty in terms of what their actual payments are when they dispense the medication. So they're going to know at the time when they're dispensing a the drug to the patient, what their true reimbursement is going to be. Got it.
1: Got it. Okay. Let's move to another government agency. And that is the FDA. They had a decision involving the COVID-19 vaccines. A lot of people want to know What do these decisions mean for their business? So the
0: FDA recently announced that young children will be allowed to receive the COVID-19 vaccination. So every state is different. You have to check with your state board of pharmacy and find out from them, What the regulations are in your state in terms of what age limit are you allowed to provide these vaccines for? So before you decide to take any kind of action, before you decide to provide these vaccinations to children, find out what the local state laws and regulations are. Best way to find out is to contact your state board of pharmacy.
1: I don't know about you, but like the idea of calling this big government agency seems like a lot to find this information out. Can IPA help at all? Can I call you?
0: Absolutely. So if any IPA member would rather call me and find out what their local state laws are when it comes to providing vaccinations to children, feel free to give me a call. And I will review the state law
1: and regulations and let you know what they are. I- Personally, we didn't get a question, but I'm kind of wondering, how did pharmacies do? Like, how did the IPA members do? How were they treated during the pandemic? Specifically, I guess, from PBMs.
0: Terrible. So I really thought that when the pandemic hit, that maybe, just for a second, pharmacy benefit managers might decide, you know what? We're in this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. People are getting sick pharmacies and pharmacy owners and pharmacists, they're doing testing, vaccinations. They're trying to protect the health and safety of the public. Maybe we should be good partners. And I had that thought for about a second. Never happened. Instead, PBMs doubled down and they went after pharmacies and pharmacy owners. More audits, lower reimbursements, interfering between the patient and doctor relationship. It was horrific. I had this one pharmacy owner. He runs a pharmacy in North Jersey. He got COVID, a bunch of people and his staff got COVID. He was working from home, trying to keep his business afloat, making sure that the staff and the pharmacists were able to provide testing, vaccinations and dispense medications to all of his patients. Same time, he's being audited more than ever. The PBMs were reimbursing him less than ever before, and it really hurt morale amongst all the pharmacy owners in New Jersey and New York, because instead of, you know, trying to be a good partner, the PBMs, they just acted like giant Fortune 500 companies, nameless and faceless, and they never helped. They never came in and helped the pharmacy owners during the pandemic. Why? I, I really don't know why. I think it's just they're huge corporations, pharmacy benefit managers, and there's mainly three of them, and they're giant corporations. They just don't care. I think they really don't care if independent pharmacies go out of business around the country, and they really don't care about whether patients are being provided proper care. All they care about is the bottom line. Got it.
1: Well, speaking of the bottom line, one person asked, an independent pharmacy in Indiana just started a wine club. I've also heard of independent pharmacists embedding themselves in the offices of private care physicians. Is this something I should be engaging with to attract customers? I think a lot of pharmacy owners should think outside the box. For a lot
0: of pharmacy owners, when they think about their business, they think dispensing, dispensing medications. That's where I make most of my money, not really caring about anything else. But there's some pharmacy owners that are looking in at different avenues to generate revenue. Something like that sounds like a really interesting thing to do. There was this one pharmacy owner who put a coffee shop, coffee and ice cream shop, into their pharmacy and it actually attracted more business. People were coming in with their kids, not just to get medication, but to get some coffee and ice cream. Sure. And th- when they went inside to said, oh, by the way, this is my friendly neighborhood pharmacy. And a lot of people were thinking, you know, I really like this place. And they decided to switch their prescriptions from a large chain to this particular independent pharmacy. So something like that can get people
1: interested to come and frequent your business. Can I ask as an outsider, it seems like such a hassle to switch your prescription. How does the business owner convince the public that it's easy to do and ultimately it's for the better to switch from a big retail chain to a local pharmacist? Like how can we convince the other customer or prospective customers of that?
0: I think, you know, it's kind of hard to convince them of that because independent pharmacies, they provide that personal touch, that personal care for patients. And it's kind of hard to convey that if the patient was always going to a chain pharmacy and never actually experienced that. I think it's what you said, Zach. They need a hook, a hook like a coffee shop, something to attract patients into their pharmacy. And then once they attract those potential customers into their pharmacy, let's say with a coffee shop, some of the pharmacies they sell toys to kids like Legos and other things. Once you attract those people into your shop, then they might say, you know, this is a really nice place. They're going to think maybe I should try this place out. You could talk to those folks whether they're coming into your shop for coffee, ice cream, Legos, toys, you name it, whatever you might be providing, vitamins, you could talk to those patients and get to know them, get to know them on a first name basis. And then they might say, you know what? I like this pharmacist. They're in my community. I'm getting this personal feel from them. Maybe I should switch. And every pharmacist will be able to tell you it's really easy to switch. It's really no hassle. All you have to do is provide your prescriptions to the pharmacist and it's seamless. They'll do it for you. Got it.
1: Well, if they're doing all this, it's tough to file for PBMs for low reimbursement. So another question that we got was someone who hates doing just that. So can you explain what the New Jersey PBM appeal law does and what the new bill is going to do?
0: Sure. So we've had a law in New Jersey for the last at least three, four years where if a pharmacy gets reimbursed really well, if they get paid, very low or below what's called the acquisition cost, then they can file an appeal with the pharmacy benefit manager. And the appeal is usually is the pharmacy owners telling the PBM, look, you paid me a small amount. I was supposed to be paid more. You owe me more money. Really, it's always been up to the PBM where they decided whether you won or lost. But under the New Jersey law, if the PBM says, no, we paid you the right amount, what well, they actually have to tell you where you can purchase that drug at their reimbursement rate. And if they can't tell you where you can purchase that drug at their reimbursement rate, they have to actually increase your reimbursement rate. So it's incumbent upon the PBM to tell you where your pharmacy can purchase that drug at the PBM's reimbursement rate or below the PBM's reimbursement rate. For the longest time, it's really been up to the pharmacy owners to try to Fight with the PBMs to try to get them to adhere to the New Jersey statute. But there's a bill that's moving through the legislature right now, which will have more enforcement mechanisms from the state to hold the PBMs' feet to the fire so that they do actually follow the law so that the pharmacy owner doesn't have to constantly fight with them on these appeals.
1: Nice. That's a good get by you guys. I think
0: so. The bill is still moving through the legislature and we're hoping that it's going to get signed sometime this summer.
1: This summer. That's great. That'd be great if that happened that quick.
0: That'd be awesome.
1: Okay. So we didn't get this question, but I have this question. Do you ever get tired of talking about PBMs? I feel like we talk about PBMs every episode. Do you ever just get, oh my God, can't we talk about something else?
0: Well, that's what my wife tells me all the time. She (laughs) always tells me I got to stop talking about PBMs. But some days I do get tired of talking about PBMs. But you know what? They provide me with so much material, Zach, that I always have something new to work with. I think one of the things that if you really delve into the PBM industry, they're really kind of funny because they have so much control over our everyday lives. Most people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s is taking some sort of medication. And PBMs, they have so much influence over how much you pay for those particular drugs. They have so much influence about which drugs you actually take. And they're constantly providing me with new and better material. So I feel in some ways, I'm kind of like a comedian. I'm constantly getting all sorts of new material on PBMs. So they never, I can say this, PBMs never let me down with new and interesting material to talk to legislators about. So we're just going to keep doing this? I think we're going to keep doing this. <laughs> okay. I think so. I think we're going to
1: keep doing this. Someone else asked, uh, Anthony, you ever going to do a video podcast?
0: No, nobody needs to see a video podcast because this is a face made for radio. <laughs> uh,
1: there's, there's really no need for a video oh, No, come on. Look at that put Let me tell you, I can see this put It's a great looking face. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. One of the other questions we got was who thought it was a good idea for you to do a podcast?
0: Well, that's a really interesting question, Zach. So not a million years would I have ever thought that I would be a person doing a podcast, but our great leader, at IPA, John Giampolo, the executive vice president, he actually came to me and said, you know what? I think you should do a podcast because I find you mightily entertaining. So my answer to the boss is always, yes, absolutely. Anything you want, boss. So here we are doing the podcast.
1: And if you agree with that, by the way, it would help us out immensely if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. So wherever you get them, five stars, Write a little review. It always helps flow the traffic, pushes up a little bit. So uh, if you do like the podcast, do remember wherever you get your podcast to rate and review. And the last question we got is, what do you think of Beyonce's new song? You know what? I Who's
0: Beyonce? No, I'm just kidding. Come on, Anthony. Come on. I'm just kidding around. I I haven't gotten around to it yet, but it's in my playlist. It's my playlist. And you know what? That's a lie. That's
1: a lie. As soon as
0: we're done with this podcast, (laughs) I'm going to hit play just to listen to it. That's a lie.
1: What is actually in your playlist? Besides, of course, this podcast, which you listen to on a loop, I assume. What are you actually listening to right now?
0: Well, I'm a child of the 80s. Got it. So I grew up listening to Ozzy Osbourne. Metallica, Led Zeppelin. That's kind of my speed. That's, Is that that's what you do?
1: At. Like when you're on the way to go fight the PBMs, just put on a little Ozzy? Um, no, that's...
0: I wish I could deny it, but I can't. When I drive on my way to Trenton before a committee hearing and before we do battle in the committee hearings uh, with the PBMs, yeah, I listen to Ozzy. I listen to Metallica. It gets me revved up and gets me ready to go. Yeah.
1: If you see Anthony and he's pounding on the steering wheel, don't worry. He, he's just getting pumped up for his meeting.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's nothing that gets me going more than Ozzy and Metallica and about five cups of coffee. Got it, it's it. amazing.
1: Okay. Amazing. Well, that is all the questions we got. Thank you guys so much for submitting. We really do appreciate them.
0: And if you have any questions, that you want me to answer on the podcast, just feel free to email them to us and I'll make sure to get them on the podcast in a future episode and see if we can answer them. This podcast was made possible by the Independent Pharmacy Alliance and the President and CEO, John Giampolo. It was produced and edited by Zach Stone with music by Marcus Way. For previous and future episodes, check out ipagroup.org. Thank you very much. Bye for now.